Welcome to the Luminous Life Podcast. My name is Lori Marie. I'm a spiritual teacher, certified fearless living coach, healer, Vita grad for trauma-informed somatic love, sex, and relationship coaching, an artist, psychic medium for sensitive souls who want to discover their gifts, claim their confidence, own their worth, and make an impact in the world so you can become the most powerful creator you're meant to be. I absolutely love helping you up-level your life, claim your desires, and help you see the infinite potential that you are. It is my mission and my passion to give you the tools, teachings, resources, strategies, and support you need to create the life of your dreams and to live a luminously, divinely guided life. Think of this podcast as your daily dose of personal development to maximize your impact and your life. And if you're ready to be lit up by life, own your awesome and dive into co-creating your deepest desires, then you've come to the right place. It's time to become epically free and unapologetically you in and out of the bedroom. Enjoy today's episode. And if there's something that resonates with you today, be sure to rate the podcast and tag us on social media at Lori Marie Loves. And let's begin. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining me with the Luminous Life podcast. I'm so excited for today's guest. Um, as I mentioned in pa- previous podcasts, I had um, gone to the Death Doula uh, meetup, and I was able to meet with some of, um, I was able to have my first experience with uh, Death Doulas, and one of them in particular, um, I was I met here in Tucson when I first came to Tucson. Um, she's not only a death doula, but she's also a tarot reader. And I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today. Welcome, Alice. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So Alice Bath um, is an intuitive. She's also a tarot reader and a death doula. And I'd like to jump in with podcast and just kind of I'd love to hear like your description or your definition of what a doula is, and then we can dive into like a little bit more about what brought you to this path and kind of go from there. Yeah, that sounds great. So um, a death doula in the most basic terms is just somebody who helps someone who is coming to the end of their life or planning the end um, time of their life and, um, also helps their family members and provides support that's both practical, emotional, and spiritual. So kind of an all encompassing, um, support person for the end of life. Um, it's very similar to the concept of a birth doula where the birth doula would help the laboring mother or the family members, or just be there as a support person. Um, to bring someone into the world, and a death doula does the same thing for somebody who's leaving the world. Hmm, beautiful. So, why might someone want a death doula? Like, um, is it just strictly for people who are, you know, who know that they're passing or transitioning, or could someone say hire a death doula like after someone has passed, like? working through maybe grief and, and grieving and all the after that comes with that process? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and yes, a, a death doula is somebody who could help through the entire process 
from somebody doesn't even have to be terminally ill or reaching the end of their life through age or illness to want to talk to a death doula and, and see, um, you know, what documents do I need to have? What kind of preparation do I need to have? Um, you know, wills and powers of attorney are just like the tip of the iceberg. But if you really want to plan for how can I make that transition as easy as possible for the loved ones that I'm leaving behind, then a death doula would be a great person to check in with to see like what am I missing in this in this plan that I have. Um, and then, of course, like through the process of somebody who's coming to the end of their life, a death doula is um, I want to also clarify, a death doula is not a medical provider. They, they do no medical care. Um, so it's very different from, say, a hospice worker um, in that way, but um, can provide any kind of support for the person who's dying or their loved ones. Um, and then also after in practical things like the, the physical disposition of their belongings. Um, helping them deal with the physical things that are left behind, and then also the grief and the loss they might be experiencing. And death doulas have, um, you know, we come from a wide range of backgrounds, and we have a wide range of skill sets and specialties. So um, it's important to find a death doula that not only you feel a connection with and you feel comfortable with, but also one that meets the needs that you specifically have. Um, not everybody's going to need help with um, the practical things. They may already have that taken care of. Not everybody's going to need help with, um, for example, legacy work. You know, if somebody wants to leave behind something particular for their loved ones, um, whether that's like a video journal or a photo album that they want to create. Death doulas specialize in, in a wide range of things. So, I remember too, one of the women at the meeting said that she puts together like people's body of work, like artwork. Um, so if I'm understanding this right, there's like a very wide range of um, things and services a death doula can provide, right? Not just the paperwork or the legal. Yes, legal yes, work. absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and also to that point, there's, um, it's important to understand that there is no governing body or certifying body for death doulas. So you don't have to have special training or a special certification to be able to help people or to call yourself a death doula. Um, all the death doulas that I know have gone to training and have been, um, you know, quote unquote certified through their training program, but there is no governing body. So um, the beautiful thing about that is that, you know, as you're going through your training and I went through the Going With Grace program, um, which was created by Elua Arthur, who I love, and it was an amazing program. And she really encourages the students there to think about what do you, what, what are your special skills? What do you want to specialize in? What do you want to help people with? What gifts do you have that you can offer to clients that, you know, only you can do because they're unique to you? Um, so I love the way that she, she really encouraged people to think about that. And that I feel like is a great segue. How did you come to become a death doula and what particular, I guess, 
lane did you choose when it came to what you wanted to do or how you wanted to serve? Yeah, that is, that is a really good segue um, because the way that I came to it is actually through, in a roundabout way, my tarot readings. Um, I had a series of three clients in the space of about three months, tarot clients, who um, were all either had already been trained as death doulas, were thinking about it, or were, you know, in the process. And so the first one, um, she found me at, at a market where I was working and she sat down and she was telling me she's a death doula. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. You know, I knew what a death doula was. And I just thought, I just have the most interesting clients. You know, I'm just so lucky to have these amazing clients that what are the odds that I would just get to have a, yeah, a conversation with a death doula? And then a couple of months later, she came to see me um, at another market to pick up a gift certificate for a friend. And so I saw her that morning um, and then, you know, she wanted a reading. So I gave her a reading. And then a few hours later, I had another client who was younger and she's like, you know, uh, I'm really struggling because I think I want to be a death doula, but I don't know anybody to talk to. And I was like, okay, well, I do. <laughs> so um, I was able to link the two of them up and it just felt like uh, a really beautiful thing that I got to be a part of. Um, and I didn't, I didn't think about it any further than that. Like, wow, I'm so lucky that I was able to connect these two people and, um, that felt like that was the point of that for me. And then a few months later, I had this third client who <laughs> was in her death doula training. And as soon as those words left her mouth, I heard a voice in my head that said, this is a message for you. Later that day, I was thinking about it. And I knew that, you know, three times in a row, there's no coincidences. I knew that voice that was in my head, that wasn't me. That was an external voice telling me, um, this is a message, so pay attention. So I was like, okay, fine. You know, I've never wanted to be a death doula. I had never thought about being a death doula, but I'm going to start doing some research. And when I was researching, I, I realized that I had already been a death doula. I had already done the work. Um, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law, we were lucky enough to both to be with them um, when they were dying to help through, you know, up to the moment of death. And then uh, my father-in-law died first and we were with him. And then we were with my mother-in-law for that time afterwards. Um, and then a few years later, my mother-in-law got dementia. And so I, she lived with us and I was her caregiver. Um, for about the last year of her life. And then we were with her also. And I just felt so grateful to have been able to be a part of that because being with somebody at the moment of their death, um, as painful as that can be, it's a really beautiful gift to make that moment as peaceful and as meaningful to them as you can possibly make it. Um, and I hadn't really known specifically what a death doula was until I started researching and then 
realized, oh, oh, I do know what that is because I've done it. Um, it's beautiful. It feels like Justice found you a little bit more than you thought it. Um, absolutely. <laughs> like it found you. You mentioned um, the program you went through. How did you decide, or what kind of do you? What would you say you specialize in when it comes to being a death doula? Yeah, so there are so many programs out there, um, and I did some some internet research, just kind of like, all right, well, you know, let me see what the programs are like. Let me see if I can find one that that kind of feels good to me. Um, and I found a few that seemed okay, you know, like. They seemed okay. I'll just say that. I didn't feel any great pull towards them, but I was like, okay, well, I guess this would kind of fit what I need. Um, but what I actually ended up doing is reaching out to my first client who at that point had become my friend because we had stayed in touch. So my first death dealer client. And I asked her what program she did and she had done going with grace. And um, so I looked that program up and as soon as I as soon as I looked it up, I knew that was the one for me because Elua talks a lot about trusting your intuition. And, uh, you know, in the metaphysical world, it, tarot reader, intuitive counselor, dream interpretation, you can't do any of that without trusting your intuition. And none of the other programs that I had looked at were, were going in that direction at all. So I knew for sure that this was going to be the program for me. And also, I mean, Elua has an amazing earring collection. So, you know, how can it be bad? <laughs> the way she set up her program really, really was something special. So I will say, though, that as I was going through it, I didn't feel necessarily like a strong calling to this is what I'm meant to be doing. It took me gosh, I want to say it took me until like two thirds or maybe even three quarters of the way through the program. And, and it's not because of the program, you know, the program was great. I just couldn't see myself doing it. I just couldn't envision what it would look like. And that kind of is going back to the question that you asked is like, what do I specialize in? Because the majority of people who were going through the program um, at the time that I went through, at least in my small, my small group, we're talking about, you know, setting up a full-time practice as a death doula. And, and that's, it can be like a difficult on-call kind of life. You know, if you want to be that type of death doula who is, you know, sitting bedside at, at a moment's notice, maybe taking on multiple clients at a time and then being with them from like the time that they contact you through the moment of their death, however long that may be, you know, I don't want to put aside my tarot work. I don't want to put aside intuitive counseling or um, dream work or all of the other things that I do. And so I couldn't see how they were going to work together. I just couldn't see it. Mm -hmm. And so it took me until almost the end of the program where I realized, you know, I can give myself permission to make it my own. It doesn't have to look like anybody else's death doula practice because I have my own skill set. I have my own background. And so how do I want to make my death doula training fit into that in a way that feels really personal and really meaningful to me? 
I also offer specifically sessions for the caregiver. The reason that I do that is because, like I said, I was a caregiver for my mother-in-law. It is, she lived with us. And so that is, well, on the one hand, we were, of course, very lucky to have that time with her. On the other hand, it is very, very demanding, emotionally, spiritually, physically demanding. And I didn't, I didn't have anybody that I could really offload that onto. And so that's something that I really feel good about providing is a session just for the caregiver, for those specific things that a caregiver is um, experiencing or carrying with them and just helping them feel lighter after those sessions. And then I offer sessions about grief and loss as well. That is a direct um, complement to the work that I've already been doing with tarot and intuitive counseling, because so much of what people are coming to me for is grief and loss. Even if they don't know that's why they're initially coming, a lot of times the things that we're working through are directly dealing with grief and loss. So I, I love how the things that I am offering all blend together. You know, the the tarot and the intuitive counseling and the dream work is about living your life as fully as you can in the present moment. And it segues right to the death work, which is being at peace and death. And you can be most easily at peace and death if you've been most present in your life. So um, it came full circle. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it sounds like you've beautifully blended all of your gifts together with this offering way of supporting people through their, one of the biggest, if not the biggest challenge and transition of their lives. I just feel really grateful that I trusted that it was the right thing for me to do, even though I didn't understand it. Um, even though, like I said, most of the way through that program, which was a great program, I did not know why I was there. I just knew I was supposed to be there. So to anybody who might be getting these little nudges with their intuition, even if you don't understand it, trust it, whether, you know, whether it's about death work or anything else, you've got to trust it because it takes you to some really amazing places. If someone is feeling called to dive into this work, what would you recommend, say, like, look for, watch for, um, maybe how to even get started, like, uh, on that path of becoming a death doula? The first thing I would do is probably just do a little internet research, um, just read a little more about death doulas, and then what I would actually recommend is see if you can find um, death doulas in whatever area where you are, like a local death doula group. Um, I am so, so grateful to live in Tucson where there is this huge, beautiful death doula community that was started by um, Yvette and Stacy and the Tucson End of Life doulas. They have basically gathered together and it's not even all of the death doulas in Tucson, I am sure, but there's probably 30 or 40 of us that are in this email group and there's uh, get togethers once a month. And if you can find something like that in your community, even to just 
talk to deaf doulas in person and see how diverse their backgrounds are, see how diverse what they offer is, that would be a really beautiful place to start. I guess the other thing I would suggest is to really check in with your intuition. Um, ask yourself why you feel pulled to do it or why you feel called to do it. And then maybe ask for some signs as well, because that is that can be really good confirmation and validation that what you're feeling is what you're meant to do. I did that myself before I signed up for the program. Um, I had found it. I had decided that if I did it, that was the one I was going to do. And I still, of course, was like, why am I you know, questioning? Why am I doing this? Why do I feel like I need to do this? So I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go for a walk. I live kind of out in a rural area. So, you know, I'm going to ask for a sign and I'm going to ask for an owl. And I knew that was cheating a little bit because I know that I have owls that live near me and it's not unusual for me to hear or see an owl. But I was like, okay, I, you know, I'm just going to ask for an owl. And um, I had only been walking for about, you know, five minutes and I hear the owl. And I was like, I can't, can't that's just, I just can't count that. You know, that's just too easy. I knew it was going to be there. That's, you know, it just doesn't count. And then right after I thought that, I saw a second great horned owl sitting right next to the first one. And it, I had never seen that before. Like, of course, it's mating season. So it's not uncommon. But for me, it was a first. Yeah. So I was like, okay. Okay, I will. I'll take that. I'll take that as my sign. I will stop questioning. This is the right thing for me to do. What's really cool is that all throughout my program, so those owls had, they mated and they had little owlets. Aww. And uh, all, all throughout my program, I got to see them growing and like teaching them how to fly. And owls symbolize death. And it, you know, it's just one of those, like, you just can't make this stuff up, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and what a beautiful parallel to like, you're, you know, like these new babies are being born and you're just starting the program and then you're like learning and growing yeah. and getting bigger right along the way. Like, that's a beautiful uh, yes. par parallel there. <laughs> it so, all ties to the death card in tarot as well, you know, with that, um, with an ending with a death that makes room for the new life or for the new beginning that comes through so it felt really really cool to me yeah that's amazing i love that so you had mentioned like you had kind of searched other programs and they just felt okay what made growing with grace feel so much more like what was the difference the more than okay <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, the main thing for me was how just on her website, um, Elua was talking about trusting your intuition. That was the first thing. Um, and then I did also watch a couple of her free webinars to get a feel for her energy and for the um, her teaching style, which I think is really important, um, you know, to make sure that you feel a good energetic draw to the person that you're trusting with your education. Um, and I, I really liked not just what she said, but how she said it and her intent with creating the course. And she has such a cool story as well with how she came to death work. 
just made me feel like by choosing going with grace, I wouldn't just be getting the fundamentals, the practical side of what do I need to be a competent um, death doula, but also what's going to make me feel like I'm finding my true intent in how I'm supposed to present the work that I'm offering to people. Um, it's not just about going to a course and taking their package and offering that as your own. Going to a course and figuring out what works for you, what makes sense for you, uh, what is the best way to offer your unique skills to clients. That's what I feel like uh, this program really excels at helping students feel confident in identifying for themselves and then offering. Mm -hmm. It's really beautiful. It sounds like uh, putting your stamp on it, right? Like taking exactly. what you learned and then making it your own. Death doulas, um, I don't know how long, I don't know if you know how long death doulas have been around, probably forever, but, um, but it's something that's very new to me like hearing about death cafes and death doulas. I've only um, heard of that in the last year. And I know that there, through some of those interactions and conversations, there's like a death movement that's occurring. Why do you think that is now more than ever? Well, I mean, to go back to your point about how long death doulas have been around, I mean, really they've been around since humans have been around. There are so many cultures where you don't really need death doulas because that's an intrinsic part of that community of that culture and you know to be honest in a perfect world we wouldn't need death doulas there would be no no higher death doulas because we would be caring for our families and our communities in that way um, in a really organic way but that's not the way society is set up um, especially, you know, American modern society, we're not set up that way. And so many people are separated, whether through distance or um, through estrangement or, you know, for such a variety of reasons that they really do need that support from outside their family and outside their community. So they have been around since the beginning of time. And I, I really can't say like when it began as a practice, I don't know the history of it that well. I know they first came into my awareness um, right around 2011 or 2012 when I first watched a couple of documentaries that mentioned death doulas in them. The death movement, I mean, yes, I, I think it's been really, you know, our, our time through COVID, like in 2020, when we were all just kind of cut off from each other in so many ways, and so many people all of a sudden, not only were experiencing loss, but had the time to sit still and let the losses that they hadn't allowed to come to the surface in the past come to the surface. So there was kind of a collective grief coming up, whether it was COVID related or not, people just had the time and the space to feel the grief that maybe they had been putting off or maybe they had been avoiding. I also think, you know, because of that, in spite of that, it's all tied together somehow, people want community. 
we are searching actively for community and you know death is is maybe one of the last taboo topics or or you know kind of like the thing that we keep shoving into the corner and don't want to talk about but it's the the great thing that we all have in common you know it comes for us all one way or another and i think that people People are becoming more open in those conversations about grief and loss. Not everybody, but a lot of people want to start talking about those deep personal conversations. We're done with the surface. We're done with the, the things that tend to feel meaningless. You know, we want the things that touch us in our soul in a really deep way. Um, and so you mentioned death cafes. Um, I also am not sure how long death cafes have been around, but it's a while. They're not new. And my friend and fellow death doula, Kara Carrillo, and I have been co-hosting death cafes for a little while now. And we have seen with each one, um, we have a, a bigger and bigger turnout. And I think it's because people are really hungry for those spaces where they can have those conversations. Um, they want to talk about people that they've lost or relationships that they've lost or houses that they've lost. Um, they want to talk about the grief that they're experiencing on so many levels without the platitudes, without people saying, oh, it's okay, look for the positive. Sometimes you just need to get that grief out without, telling, without people telling you to look on the bright side or get over it. Yeah, because there's no timeline for grief. There's no right or wrong way to process that grief. And the more you let it come to the surface, the more you talk about it, the, the farther through it you will move. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. And I feel like, especially in, it feels like in America, I don't know about other countries or cultures, it seems like death has been this thing that we just don't, we, we want to avoid. We don't want to talk about it. Um, there, there's a lot of fear around death. And I know that in our, one of our previous conversations, you talked about watching the documentaries and that it shifted your perspective on death and dying. How did watching some of those documentaries shift your perception of death? Yeah, absolutely. So the two that I had mentioned, um, I wish I could remember exactly what order I watched them in. I want to say the first one that I watched was Time of Death, which is um, kind of a documentary miniseries. Maybe there's um, six or eight episodes and it, it follows multiple people who are terminally ill and, um, and the, how they're coping with it, how their families are coping with it, how they are um, choosing to kind of live out their days. Um, and the second one that I watched was called How to Die in Oregon, which is specifically about medical aid and dying. And I want to say they both came out maybe 2011, maybe 2012, right around there. And before I watched the How to Die in Oregon documentary, which is really, really beautiful. And I'm just amazed at, you know, anybody who allows the public to see them at their most vulnerable, it's just such a gift to us 
to be able to witness that. Um, I feel really, really grateful for them and for their families. But um, before I watched that documentary, I, I really couldn't understand why somebody would choose medical aid and dying or, or the right to die movement. Like I just, I just didn't understand it. Um, I was a lot younger. I just didn't have that perspective. And after watching that documentary, oh gosh, I really got it. And I felt like it should almost be required viewing because I don't know how you could watch people struggle in the way that some of those people were struggling and not be empathetic and not see the value in each of us being able to choose that moment for ourselves and the dignity to choose dignity in death should be a basic human right. And that watching that documentary was the first step for me in getting 100% behind that movement. Um, I highly recommend it. Both of those documentaries are really, really beautiful, really well done. Yeah, I can't wait to watch them. And we'll be sure to link them below here in the show notes. Why do you think there is so much fear around dying? I mean, I have my own thoughts and, and my own perception really changed, especially once I realized I was a medium and we do live on. Um, that really helped change my perception. But why do you think, especially in America, why there's so much fear around, why do you think we're so closed off to death and dying as a natural part of nature, which we are all part of? I think one part of that is just fear of the unknown. You know, it's that basic fear of none of us knows for sure, 100%, here's what's going to happen or here's what it's going to look like or feel like. But I really think that a huge part of that fear comes from intuitively knowing that we are not living in the way that we're meant to live. And so we can't possibly think about dying. My own views on dying also changed after I kind of came into my own with, you know, my metaphysical work and feeling like I had found my purpose and my calling and helping people feels so rewarding to me that it completely changed my own view of death. Um, because I know that I am living the life that I am meant to live. I don't fear my death. Now I can't say at the moment of my death what I'm gonna feel. But I know that right now I'm not living in fear of death. I have no problems thinking about or talking about death in any capacity. But I think for a lot of people, if they know they are not living in harmony with their purpose or their calling, of course they would have a fear of death because knowing that your time is short and acknowledging that your time is short while also acknowledging that you're meant to be living your life in a different way. Wow, that's, that's a tough truth to swallow right there. So it's easier just not to think about death and you know keep your head down and just make it through another day. I love hearing your perspective on that. Yeah, I had never really like thought of it that way, but I mean, it makes total sense. The uncertainty, of course, but the, the just not living in alignment with your, your purpose, like how much regret people have at the end of their life is it really just feels like a true blessing to be able to do the work that that we do and to to know that like we are living out the 
very thing that so many will not. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's another piece to that too, that is, of course, you know, the, the disparity in what people have. You know, if people are living in poverty or people are really struggling, which so many people are in this capitalist society, maybe the best that they can do is keep their head down and, you know, try to put food on the table and keep a roof over, the, over their heads. So that's not to make light of that in any way, because it's, yeah. uh, it's a privilege to be able to have the space in my life to feel like I'm able to live out my purpose. And I don't take that for granted at all. And I just wanted to, to acknowledge that everybody lives in that space. Absolutely. Yes. I, I totally agree with that. Um, it's, you know, it comes back to like Maslow's hierarchy needs, right? Like until you have your basic needs met, you can't even like get to the next level of, exactly. you know, considering what your purpose may be or whatnot. So I've definitely been there, done that. And I understand that deeply. Um, so thank you for, for voicing that too. What would you, the best step for someone to take if they're looking to work with you or work with a deaf doula, like what's the best uh, approach in finding someone in their, their area? Um, well, if, if somebody wanted to work with me, you could go directly to my website. Um, I do in-person or Zoom if people aren't local to Tucson. Um, if you feel like I'm a good fit for you or you just want to contact me, um, I do also offer a free 30-minute initial consultation for deaf doula clients because I do feel it's really important for a client and the deaf doula to feel like um, they're a good fit. Somebody might be looking for death doula services that I don't offer. Um, and that's the really beautiful thing about the death doula community here in Tucson is I have a whole network of people where I can say, well, you know, I don't offer that, but I know two or three people who do. And then here's their contact information. Um, and I'm always happy to do that. I, I love being able to refer people to trusted resources. Um, if you are looking for a deaf doula, um, you can go to, well, you could just Google, you know, deaf doulas in your area. Um, but there is also a, a website, um, I believe it's NEDA, N-E-D-A dot org. Um, I'll make sure, and we can put that down in the show notes also. But if you go there, you can um, search by state to find a deaf doula. Um, and you know, it's not going to be entirely inclusive. The only people who would be on that website are people who choose to be. Um, but really, you know, if you don't know anybody, if you don't have word of mouth, it's really just a lot of internet research and then reaching out to see who feels like the best fit for you. Beautiful. Um, do you find or have you found with the other deaf that you have come in contact with or encountered, is there a resistance for people to hire deaf doulas or like what is, um, what is your take on like that process? What have you found um, so far within the industry? Yeah, I feel like 
it's it's not really well known. Um, it's kind of getting there, you know, like 20 years ago, birth doulas weren't that well known. And now I feel like that's fairly mainstream. People have heard of it. They have a big idea or a very firm idea of what that is. Um, and death doulas are maybe like 20 years behind that. So I think they're starting to become a little more mainstream um, because if somebody asks what I do and I mention death doula, they usually have at least heard of it if they don't know exactly what it is. Um, I do think there is, there is a resistance to hire death doulas for a lot of people because that means giving up. That means to them, they're admitting that death is imminent or that, you know, death is a possibility, which of course, death is always a possibility for all of us. But when you or your loved one is sick and possibly terminally ill, but for sure critically ill, um, it can feel like, like giving up or like admitting that the time has come um, when you hire a death doula. And so I, I, I really understand that. It's, um, I've had several clients contact me and say, oh, I know somebody who, who really needs a death doula. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to give them your information and, and, um, then I don't hear anything and I know why I understand it. It's, it can be a really difficult thing to say, yes, I need help with this because I know the end of my life is coming. Yeah. It, it feels similar to, to coaching or, or, um, therapy, like, well, then we have to admit that there's actually a problem. However, yes. one of the things that I really loved, especially um, at the death cafe that you held, um, hearing other people talk about how death doulas are such a voice for those who are, and really take a stand for the person who is dying when there may be like family conflicts or, you know, the family doesn't agree with the way that the person wants to die, that, that someone in that state who I'm sure in those moments are at their most weak and vulnerable, have somebody who can be that voice that can be strong, that can uh, carry out their, their, their wishes. And I also love that um, hearing stories of where people actually did recover having a death doula by their side. Yeah. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I so, think that's really cool too. Yeah. So what would you say to anybody who knows that they need it or knows somebody that needs it, but maybe feels that resistance? Um, well, I think the first thing that I would remind them is the main thing that death doulas want to do is provide support. Um, we want to make people feel at peace and feel comfortable. We're helping people identify um, what will make you feel best at this time right now. What will make you feel best um, when the end is near? And isn't that such a beautiful thing to give to yourself and to give to your loved one who's dying is that comfort, that support. Um, a lot of times what's really hard for the person who might be dying is their family can't acknowledge it. Their loved ones can't 
talk about it because it's too painful for them to think about losing their person. Um, and that's where a death doula can really provide so much emotional support for the person who's dying is being that safe space to talk about death, to talk about what they're scared of, to talk about what they're looking forward to, or, um, you know, how they're looking forward to maybe an end of pain. That could be really difficult for a loved one to hear. And so that's where a death doula can be such a valuable asset to not just the person who's dying, but to the family as well. Um, and then to also provide that support for the family where, you know, they want to let their fears and their, um, their guilt come out, you know? Um, so there's, I would just encourage people to think about the ways that death doulas um, can help and can really offer little glimmers of peace, um, little glimmers of hope, and um, that emotional support for everybody involved really can't be understated. And if it helps you, you could use the phrase end of life doula, or I mean, you can use whatever phrase you're comfortable with if the word death throws you off. Um, <laughs> I choose to use the word death doula. I, I like it because um, I think that there's such a stigma around that word that the more we use it, the more comfortable people get with it. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Alice, for all of for sharing your journey and all of your wisdom with us today. Um, Alice has so generously offered 10% off all services, correct? By using yes. the code LUMINOUS. And again, we'll put that in the show notes. Um, is there anything else you would like to share before we close today? Um, well, first, I'd just like to thank you so much for having me on. I've really loved this conversation and spending time with you today. Um, and yeah, I just want to reiterate that the 10% off will be for all of my services and also all my online classes, um, which are available through my website. So please take advantage. Amazing. Thank you so much, Alice. This has been such a treat to have you. It's something I was feeling pulled towards not to become a death doula, but I felt this call to like share what you do and share this, this uh, movement with people, with those who may need it. And I, I really hope that, um, it, I hope and trust that it will uh, reach the people who it's meant to reach. So thank you so much for hanging out with me today and having a conversation. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thanks so much for listening i hope you've enjoyed today's episode be sure to leave us a review share with a friend or tag us on social media at Lori marie loves and let me know what was your biggest takeaway what stood out to you from today's episode i'd love to hear from you and have a gorgeous day